Hi everyone, welcome to episode 14 of an Inside View podcast. We'd ask if this is your first time tuning in, please do go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever you may know about the podcast. And that one that one download, that one recommendation, um, it does go a long way and it does mean a huge amount. Any interaction that you or you know, your friends and family may have about the podcast, please do tag the guests uh, on the ball team building as well. Um, and we'd just like to take this opportunity to thank the guys above Mayo, GRG Sports, who came on as sponsors of the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And we ran a competition with them, um, and we'll be running a few more competitions over the next, next couple of weeks. Uh, they're a sports team or a company, and look, if you want to kid out your, your own J club, your own sports club, or even if it's your own local business, be sure to get in contact. On this week's episode of an interview podcast, we have Dublin man Kevin Egan. Kevin is a sports broadcaster based in Atlanta, Georgia. As a studio host, reporter and play-by-play commentator for the Atlanta MLS franchise, Kevin is fortunate to travel the world covering the game he loves. You'll find Kevin broadcasting for CNN International as well as Atlanta United matches on Fox Sports South and hosting EMLS and E-League competitions throughout the, the US. How did a man from Dublin make it to where he is today? I'm very excited to find out. Hi Kevin, welcome to an interview podcast. How are you keeping? Great, thanks. Yeah, wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me on. How was uh, how's lockdown over in, in the States, you know, back in March and April when things were quite severe? It's fine. It, it's surreal because, you know, we know that all it takes is everybody to swim in the same direction and we can try and eradicate this. But that's not happening over here at all. You drive through my local town and the bars and restaurants are out the door busy. There's no restrictions at all. Wearing a mask, mask has turned political which is such a shame. And uh, I don't know when we're going to get out of this. The reality is we're not going to get out of this until we have a vaccine over here. And I'm glad to see Ireland are doing a lot better. There's been some twists and turns naturally of late that's going to happen. But for the most part, I'm really proud of how everyone in Ireland has acted and treated this with the respect it deserves and the seriousness it needs because it hasn't happened where I live. And where, where are you based now? In Atlanta. Moved to Atlanta last summer from Miami. We lived in Miami for four years uh, and I lived in Chicago for five, five and a half years before that. So I'm my third US city at the minute. So um, how, look, I suppose the elephant in the room here now before we go any further, like how did you contain yourself uh, and make yourself work for three years in, in Miami? You know, it's the city, <laughs> <laughs> it's the lavish lifestyle that we all dream of. Magic city. Yeah, I, uh, I loved every second of it, if I'm honest. We, we live there. I have a little baby, a one-year-old, James, at the minute. and, and uh, At the minute. He's, hopefully, he'll be there in the next minute as well. But uh, James came along in December of 18, and we moved away from Miami in April or May of 19. So that'll probably tell you. I mean, it's not the place to have a baby running around. It's, it's just not. Whereas when you're, when you're there and you're just with your wife and you can have fun and go out and the weekends were always great fun. I hosted a, a football show on being sports Monday through Friday. So it was the nightly football show with all highlights and analysis and uh, transfer news. It was just a dream job. And then Friday night, half seven, I'm done for the weekend. Have a laugh, enjoy yourself and yeah, back at it then on Monday. Jesus, it's uh, something I'm going to get into a bit more detail now in a few minutes. But look, was you know getting into the media was that always something you know a goal of yours, or or did you just kind of end up in it by accident? Always a goal, actually. 
I, I mean, my number one goal, I suppose, as a kid growing up was to play for Dublin, was to take the free kicks for Dublin and uh, take the frees for Dublin and, and play as a full forward or a corner forward for the boys in blue. I actually used to go to Kerry all the time. Every single summer I'd go to Kerry and I'd jog from the Weinstrand Cottages out in Ballyferreter. I'd jog along the beach to get to Ungueltuck's pitch and I'd hope to find Daryl Canada out kicking frees. Uh, in order to just kick the ball back to him. Like that was my biggest goal was one day to catch him practicing and just to be the ball boy for him and to watch him because he, for me growing up, he was just the most miraculous and brilliant and beautiful free taker uh, that, that you had in the game, Gaelic football. Um, so that was always the goal though, to get into media after playing for the Dubs and after maybe playing for Ireland uh, in football, soccer, that was always the goal. And growing up watching Michael Lester, Sunday's, in our house, I mean, the Sunday game was an institution. So to watch that every Sunday evening, to watch Des Lineman match of the day on a Saturday night, I always thought, imagine being able to do that. Imagine being able to talk to these guys as your friends, these former players offering so much experience and wisdom and get to ask them the questions as your job. And I still cannot believe to this day that I'm actually doing it right now. This is my living. It doesn't feel real, you know, and I certainly have had an awful lot of luck along the way. I heard a story that um, a crucial ligament here forced you to to go yeah. to Q and A with an RT and things kind of just laid from that. It's true, uh, you know. I I always wanted to get into it, but I mean, football, girls, nightlife in college, everything else was getting in the way for me. Actually, saying okay, be proactive here. Procrastination is a serious thing, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I tore my cruciate playing under twenty one football. My best buddy, who's since passed away, he, he kicked it to me. I caught it. I only jumped about two inches off the ground, Jamie. And I was hand-passing it back to him. And as I handed it off to him, I turned the other way because I was going to try and burn the fella marking me. I felt like I was quicker than him. As soon as I touched the ground, the cruciate snapped. And the doctor said to me, you're out for over a year, so forget about it. And at that point, when you're 19, utter devastation. You, know, you, you just think, I was only 18 maybe at the time, and, and you think, what am I going to do now? Luckily... I had enough in me to say, okay, do whatever you need to do to get a job. Refocus, reframe, find a positive in this, in this drastic situation. It felt drastic at the time. All relevant, I suppose. So I went to questions and answers. I got in the door as a, a guest. Um, and I asked the stage manager at the time, Johnny McGuigan uh, used to work there, was his name. And he gave me the, the script for the show, the rundown or the running order, as they call it in Ireland. And on the running order had all the workers, the production staff's phone numbers. So I just called GDPR. them all. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, what's that, what's that mean? Um, it's data protection legislation now in Europe. That's, oh, you okay. Out, yeah. You can't give oh, really? There's numbers and all that, yeah. So that changed. Well, that was the case back then. And no, well, he shouldn't have given me the, the, the script. I mean, he probably shouldn't have. But I, I mean, the runner, the, 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 the numbers are on that for a reason during the day that if there's a sound engineer that needs to call someone, he can call them. And I got my hands on it and I called and I ended up calling the same guy twice. And he just said to me, listen, you've, you've called already. But since you last called a few months ago, an agency has been set up to hire people to make tea and coffee uh, for the Olympics applied for that banged down the door there and got an interview got the job and then i started on the olympics a few days ago actually 16 years ago oh my god i feel so old 16 years ago so august 14th 2004 2004 yeah the olympics in athens and i got to see the red light in the studio go on and i got to see 
Bill O'Hurley and Michael Lester and all these guys getting ready. And they said, hello, Kevin. <laughs> and it was those, li- those little things at the time that just made the hair stand up in the back of my neck because I realized at that point, that's, this is all I want to do. This is all I want to know as a profession. So go and make it happen and don't miss a second of information that you can absorb at a time like this. You spent four years, four and a half years with RT, um, and you made a decision then to go to uh, the US, to Chicago, your your mother's home city, because, so you obviously had uh, the US passport. Um, first of all, why, why did you make the leap? Um, and yeah, what, first of all, why did you make the leap? Yeah, you know, it was really tough, to be honest with you, Jamie. I remember the climate back then was... Uh, it was a tough one because there were people, I mean, there, there, there were a lot of people ahead of me, put it that way. There were a lot of people ahead of me at an institution like RT that don't leave their jobs. In America, people get hired and fired far quicker than it happens in Ireland and especially at a place like RTE. And I don't mind that. I, I've no grudges or anything. Um, but when I looked up that ladder at who was there ahead of me, I said, I'm going to be years here looking for an opportunity and I'm too, I'm too hungry. I, I need to go. And there were some other people that were just ahead of me then at the time, like Joanne Cantwell was brought in, Ivani Quillen, Jackie Hurley, uh, Hugh Cahill uh, was hired when I was probably about 21 or so. And I remember thinking, right, there's another job. Darren Frehel was hired a few years before then. So they had a stacked team full of people. And myself and Owen O'Callaghan was another researcher on the 2006 World Cup with me. Both of us, were the, we were two researchers on that show the entire tournament and we both said we have to go there were, there was no option for us at that point because it's like a young player playing at you know Real Madrid or PSG and you, you look up and you think how am I going to get in ahead of Mbappe and Neymar and Di Maria and Icardi it just doesn't add up so I decided to go for a year see what experience I could get and at the time the head of sport in RTE and, and then after that the head of RTE in general was a guy called Glenn Callan and he had worked at ITV and then come back to RTE and he kind of skips a few steps or skipped a few steps of the ladder when he came back. And I looked at that as the example and said, if I could go away, go to America, work at an ESPN for a couple of years and come back maybe a year, I think I could break in because they'll see the experience I have. And it turns out it really doesn't work that way. At least on, on my side, it hasn't because people that you're gone, you're out of sight, you're out of mind and they may forget what, what you do. Um, I had someone reach out to me from RTE not so long ago, asking me, was I still living in Chicago? And I thought, well, I haven't lived in Chicago in, in, in five and a half, six years. Um, but it was the right move to make at the time. I met my wife a week later, as it happens. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. And just, I suppose, the, you know, the first day you stepped foot on, on US soil, when you made that move over, it was a special day in, in US politics. Um, Barack Obama was appointed to the White House. Uh, what was it like, you know, landing there in a new city and such a big event going on? Incredible. There was a massive buzz, and I don't think the U.S. has ever been as popular. It seemed that the U.S. was 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 hitting a peak in terms of popularity in Ireland, and I'm comparing it to the days under Clinton and even JFK as well. Obama was just so popular in Ireland at the time, and Derek Mooney. I was working doing a little bit of stuff on his radio show on RT Radio 1, and he said to me, go to a hospital when you land and see if you can find stories of babies being called Michelle or Barack. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, that's what you know, I did, and I ended up going downtown. Uh, and, and 
I ended up actually day one, I ended up going on TV on WGN TV in Chicago. There was a reporter there and she said to me, do you want to come on and, and give your opinion? And I, I said, sure, because I was dying to break into TV at the time. And I ended up you know, chatting with this reporter for about two minutes on the, the main Chicago news station. And I remember going home that night, jet lagged, thinking, this is going to be easy. I've already made a contact. This is class. No, it's not easy. It's ridiculously difficult. You go away to a different country. And when your experience is Gaelic football, hurling, rugby, soccer, and you go to a country that cover American football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and you look for a job in sports, it's ridiculously tough. And did you have family in Chicago already? Like, um, Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm completely lucky. Like, My mom's from close to Wrigley Field where the Chicago Cubs play, where all the J1ers that live when they go over to Chicago. <laughs> and uh, I stayed with my grandmother for a few months and lived there with her until I got set up. I lived with a lad from Galway for a while. And uh, I was very lucky because I had a base, you know, and my uncle was there and I'd, I'd, I'd go hang out with him and I'd get to know people then. And I was very lucky that I went to Chicago first with a base there, yeah. And how, you know, you, it, I read somewhere it took six months for you to get that first job. Um, I imagine it wasn't easy. Well, six months of, yeah, six months of working in, in a bar. Actually, two different Irish pubs I worked in. Great crack, met loads of great people, had great fun, but there reached a point where I thought, if you keep having fun and you keep going out and you're not banging down the door as hard as you should be, this whole industry is going to bypass you. You just won't get back in. And I got a break. I, I actually spoke to, cool story for you, I spoke to Jackie Hurley, back uh, who's now at RTE, and uh, she had an old roommate called Lisa Cornwell, who turns out it's Bill Clinton's first cousin. And Lisa Cornwell worked at a place called the Big Ten Network. Jackie gave me Lisa's email, and I emailed Lisa and kept emailing her. And eventually she got back and she agreed to meet me for a cup of tea. And I met her for you know, a sandwich and a cup of tea one day outside the network. She kept her cards close to her chest, didn't reveal much. And then uh, she said to me towards the end, we got along well. She said, do you want to come back another day and I'll show you around the studios? And that's all you need. Like that was the big thing for me was just a foot in the door of any kind. And as soon as I went back that day, went in the door, I met the main producer at the time and he was a big soccer fan and he said to me oh who's your team and I said Aston Villa and he said oh as long as you're not a Man United fan and he and he and I just hit it off straight away and Bob and I would go watch the odd match together and uh, he eventually called me one day and said look I think we've got an in for you here but it's going to be as a graphics producer on American football are you cool with that and now this was for a couple of days later and I'm thinking oh man this is going to be tough and I arrived in and my first day working was, was a non-conference college football day. So in other words, we had 13 games on our air, 13 games. And I had to work on all the studio shows, building around all those games all day. But I was providing all the lower graphics. And in America, it's, 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 it's not like you have a conversation on TV without graphics. Everything has match graphics. So I remember one time someone said, hey, uh, three TFL. And I'm like, what's a TFL? tackle for loss okay go 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 you know I was trying to convince myself you're good you're good but the first day I probably should have been fired second day I was a bit better third day a lot better and, and you survive and you just have to tread water until you can finally swim I suppose that um, 
you all, like you just said there, you you had that you had Bob who gave you the opportunity, brought you in the door. Um, do you find that important, you know, for people? Because some, you know, guys going to different places, guys trying to get into, you know, to businesses, trying to get into in- industries. It's very disheartening if the door is always closing and it's just that yeah. one person you need. Exactly. And there were an awful lot of doors closed, believe me. Like in that six months, I, I felt so beaten up because I'd go to one guy. I went in, um, I called, I shouldn't have done this, but I I, I called and said, I, I could I speak this one person, this executive at an ABC at the time? And the lady said, do you have a meeting? And I said, yeah, I do. I'm just downstairs. And I shouldn't have done that. And afterwards, he came down and he looked at me and said, Dude, we don't have a meeting. And, he, and I said, no, no, we don't. But I just wanted to. And he said, come on, I'm busy. And I, I remember thinking I sh- that was unfair. Um, he, he didn't want to talk. He didn't have enough time. And you learn your lessons as you go. Uh, it, it was it was such an experience, though, when I think back on it now. You need a break. You need a little bit of luck along the way. People that say they simply work hard and they've gotten these opportunities because they work hard, they're liars. An awful lot of people work hard. They're either liars or they're blind to the fact that you need a little bit of luck along the way. And the little bit of luck, when it happens, that's when you know you need to capitalize on it, jump on it, and don't mess it up. And I think in this industry that you know, you're know you obviously going into it now and that I'm in, it, uh, it's networking. You have to make connections with people. You have to be a good person. You know, I look, at, I look at the amount of work, you know, you did, you sent me notes before this interview and you've clearly prepared for the interview very well, you know, and you've been incredibly polite in the build up to this. And that's how you do it. You've, you've literally written down the blueprint as to how you make connections. And now I'm more willing to help you, James. Do you know what I mean? Because you've done the work and you've been polite and, and courteous. And a lot of people, a lot of people make that mistake that they'll send us a note to someone. How did you get so lucky in what you did? Tell me how you did it, will you? And you can get notes like that off people and you're thinking, well, I, I couldn't be bothered responding to you. I'm sorry, I'm not. Whereas you've done it the right way. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that oh, means a lot. Um, look, one thing that really um, grasped me, you know, when I was looking into, you know, your, your history, like my interpretation of it is, does each MLS side have their own commentator? Is that the way it's done? Yeah. The country's so big that the cities, I mean, the cities, you've, you've got about 100 Dublins in this country right so it's mad to think about so if you're in a city like chicago and they have an mls team chicago has oh, how many Ireland's would you fit in chicago it's just ridiculous to even think about so they've they've got their own major networks like their own chicago they have their own nbc their own abc um there's national net networks like big cbs big cnn but then every city will have their own local affiliates, but they're still huge. So every MLS team has their own broadcasters, yeah. And I mean, Fox and ESPN still have the MLS national rights, but I'll call the games. I'll, I'll commentate on Atlanta United Major League Soccer games for Fox Sports. It's a bit weird the way it works, but it's cool for me because you kind of get to hone in on one team and you really know the team very well. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I get what you're saying there, and it's um, you know, with, in 2013, you got your first opportunity with that role. Um, you were the the play-by-play commentator for the Chicago soccer franchise there. Um, what was that like? What did that feel like? Because you know, a couple of years later, you went over and you knew no one. You you know, you were looking yeah. for that that way in. Do you know how it got? I it came about because when I got into the Big Ten Network that time, 
after a couple of years of tr- just learning my craft, figuring out how USTV is run, I asked my my boss, could I set up an online soccer show? Because the, the previous guy, just the, the guy who hired commentators, didn't want to put on, an Irish accent on the air. Quite quite honestly, that's what he told me, and and that's fine. I I, I just at least he was honest, and I went to my studio boss, and he was the most laid back guy in the world, and he called me Dubs being from Dublin. And he said, Dubs, I don't care what you do, just don't get in the way, you know, and. Uh, I ended up convincing some camera crew and director and they were my friends. Like I convinced them, could you please help me out? Like it's 10 minutes. I'll film an eight minute show. It'll go online. And it gave me huge experience. Like I was awful. The first few episodes, I cringe, you know, I'll send you one or two of them after this. They're that, they're, they're just, they're, they're so bad, but you get through it and you realize you have to watch everything back. You have to listen to every single interview back. That's my big advice here is like, for anybody listening to the show that's interested in broadcasting, don't be afraid to watch your own stuff back or listen to your own stuff back and really critique it and have someone else that you trust. Not anyone random, just have someone you really trust listen to it and say, maybe it's, well, you could have said that question in 10 seconds as opposed to 20. Uh, why did you say uh, 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 here instead of jumping? So, there's so many things. And I, I commit so many of those crimes every single day when I'm broadcasting, but you're always trying to get better. Um, and that online opportunity was seen by the Chicago fire and I kept peppering them with emails anyway, and I, and sending them my, my reel. And I had a reel built up from Ireland from work on, it was called TT at the time, you know, between like home and away and the Simpsons, I'd be on for talking about sport for a few minutes on RT and stuff like that. So they gave me an audition to be a sideline reporter and I got that and that led to being the, the, the commentator. Just one point there you said, and it really kind of got my attention as well, looking, looking into you. Um, look, I have a strong Irish and Kerry accent. How did you come over that barrier having the Irish accent? It's funny. My accent was probably far more Northside Dublin maybe 15 years ago. And I remember my first ever Premiership report. RTU had the rights for the Premier League and it was the Premiership back then and it was Middlesbrough against Birmingham. That'll show you what year roughly it was. I'm guessing it was 2006. Uh, Birmingham won 3-1. Mauro Zaradi scored. I remember everything about it. And Royal Nugent, who was the head of sport at RTE, I'm in an edit bay outside his office and I'm just editing away clips for Sunday game or whatever else and he said to me Kevin can you come to my office I want to critique your report which is wonderful leadership like it's it's brilliant when someone does that because I thought that was always going to happen in this industry but it doesn't you could commentate on a match present a show and you you may not hear anything and it's good to get some feedback I I think it's better to get negative feedback um, because you're always wanting to improve and sometimes you just know what you do well you know when a show's gone well, whereas you want someone to point out those few things you could do better. And he said to me, there's one thing that stands out to me. Have a guess what it is. And I said, is it this? No. Is it that? Is it the way I describe this? No. And at the end, he said, listen to yourself say the score. And I said, Middlesbrough, three. Uh, Birmingham, one. And he said, you can't tell people you're from the north side of Dub. You can't tell people exactly where you're from. In, in a broadcast. And I thought that was kind of ironic because Royal has a very much a Southside accent. Like, you know, you, you can hear he's from the Southside, but I appreciated it. So then I tried to soften my THs a little bit. And there are broadcasters from Kerry that are magnificent. There's a guy from Kerry, I believe on CNN, uh, 
Donny O'Sullivan, I think his name is, broadcasting. And uh, he has softened his voice. You can, you can find ways to work on it and soften it. But I do think it's important, especially if you want to go outside of Ireland, to work on having people guess where you're from as opposed to, and I'm not saying don't sound like you're from Kerry, but there's certain people that I've met from Kerry, say, or from Belfast that have just softened their, to make themselves sound like professional broadcasters as opposed to somebody from exactly that region of Ireland, you know? Do you find that a barrier at the start? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Live on air when I was doing the graphics, I'd have to speak to the director. So we'd be in a real hurry. Like everything is frantic in live TV, especially over in America where there's so many different elements that are moving at all times on a show. And I'd have to interject and say something to the director and he'd turn around and go, wait, speak English. What'd you say? And I'd, I'd have to try and say it again. And you, you learn fast when your job is on the line like that. Fair enough. And it's, yeah, that's, that's definitely, it must have been, you know, demoralizing as well, but I suppose, when your job is on the line. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Because you realize the end of the day, efficiency is key. And if it means you soften, like I'd say a smaller graphic that goes in the corner of a screen in America is called a bug, B-U-G. But being from the north side of Dublin, I'd say bug, bug. Would they say bug? Like e bug. You know, it's just different. So I, I'd say bug on, on, on font one or on score two or whatever the machine we were using. And he'd go, what? And I'd be like, and eventually they'd start making fun of me about it. But I certainly had to soften my accent. I suppose that that comes with time. Um, one thing I, you know, again that I was actually amazed with, and like any opportunity that came away, you took it. At times, you had two or three jobs on the go. Um, in you know, in fourteen, you you're on ESPN Radio, you're on the uh, one twenty Sports, and then in fifteen, you know, you you went to. Um, Florida, that when you got the job with BIN or BIN, how did yeah, you know that? BIN Sports, yeah. BIN Sports, and yeah. BIN's and a big deal over here. So that was a major, that was a major coup I felt at the time. Like, and, and this happened the week I was away. Can you imagine an Irish wedding on an island off North Carolina? And I get word that I got the job. So I had to tell kind of my folks, and my, I said to my wife, like, hey, you'll for a move to Miami next week. And she said, wow. <laughs> okay, so no honeymoon, nothing, we're going. Um, we, we, a couple of days away after the wedding, drove back. I actually had to go to Canada. I had to go to Montreal and Toronto on a big trip to call, to commentate on two games. And my wife packed up 56 boxes by herself. And we drove, back the, the, the morning after I uh, got back, we drove to Miami. And it was, I mean, it's a, it's a long spin. We stayed over in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it was such a great buzz though. And to get to be in, to have a full-time contract, security for three years, working with people who are now like, my best friends um we had such a laugh and i got to work with christian vieri most days rude hullet you know some of the the biggest names david via that you'd see walking into studio with you and you're thinking this is just a dream job and i learned so much and i've got so much respect now for spanish league the french league the italian league and knowing so much more about them I, i've grown to hate this premier league bias about how you know man united were shocked by sevilla no, no, no. They weren't shocked. Sevilla are in their sixth Europa League final uh, this century. Like, this is not a shock. But it's, it's, it was such a wonderful experience, Jamie, that I wish I could relive it, but it was the right time to leave when I left. Just out of curiosity, do you know, it's probably, is it difficult for you over in, in the States, you know, to get access to European football coverage? Um, you know, when you're doing research on, 
on teams is it's all probably online is it ah uh, yeah every it's it's simple over here because every <coughs> excuse me every every major league is live on television in the US on different networks. So you're not scrambling to find some stream. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're not scrambling to find some stream. So the Bundesliga is on Fox. Uh, La Liga and Liga are on BN. Premier League is on NBC. So any game you want to watch, you can watch. So there's no issue with research at all. And, and obviously, when you work at a network like that, you'll have Opta uh, logins and, and things like that to help you. But I find my research is, is a lot of newspapers from the respective countries. So I'll go to Marca in Spain, for example, and I'll go to the English site or I'll translate uh, newspaper pages and just see what the locals are saying because then you get the heartbeat of the story. If you just go to the BBC website all the time, you're not really going to know what's going on. Whereas I find on some of these websites like Marca or AS over in Spain or Build in Germany, they'll give you a greater picture of what's going on. And as a host, you can add a lot more context. You took, you're, you're currently in the role with Atlanta. Um, that came, was it three years after Fox? Yeah, so, so it came about completely by accident rather than design. I was at being full-time, not allowed to work for anyone else, full-time uh, staffer. And the president of Atlanta United, former top man alongside Daniel Levy at Spurs, Darren Eels, his name is, and Carlos Bocanegra, former US captain, they came into studio one day to be a guest on my show to be guests to promote the new franchise coming in Major League Soccer called Atlanta United. This was probably February or March of, of 17. And I interviewed them on the show, had a great time, hit it off, got a photo afterwards, said all the best. And then I got a call a few weeks later asking me from the communications person, would I be interested in being considered to commentate on the first five games because the commentator they had hired wasn't available because he was doing Champions League stuff in Europe. So I jumped on a call. I asked my BN boss for permission. Everything worked out like better than I could have imagined. And then by August or October, September, October, they, they said to me, would you like the job next year and beyond? So I jumped at it. And, and then I got a chance to, it just made sense. Atlanta made sense to move to with the new baby, with my job with Fox Sports South, with Atlanta United there. And then I, I, got, a, I got fortunate to get a job with CNN as well. Um, on moving here so really worked out and what's your role with cnn at the moment at the moment it's very little because of the pandemic <laughs> but i have a certain amount of dates with cnn per year that they need to use me for so i hope i'll be back in soon i haven't actually worked at cnn since march 11th because of everything going on and there's limited amount of people allowed in the studios there but with the champions league this week and with uh you know with the premier league and everything returning soon I'll be back in. My job is essentially a football correspondent. So I'll be on the CNN International show that you guys can see in Ireland and uh, World Sport and on talking about football. You're after getting involved in the area of esports. Um, that's starting to get massive globally now. Um, do you want to give an overview exactly what it is and, and what your, your role? Yeah. You know, again, another thing that kind of came about probably through relationship building and just staying in touch with people. And uh, I got asked to be the commentator and the host for EMLS. So every league around the world is pretty much launching their own E division and their own leagues. And people see the value in it, you know, and the amount of people that are rushing to get involved in esports. MLS, you've got a professional esports player for each MLS club. They've got these amazing events, three immense events a year right now. So this year I was set to be in Portland, in um, 
I think it was Boston and also in Austin, Texas this year. And two of them got cancelled. Uh, but such fun events. A live audience there. I'm host on a really cool desk with the audience, everyone behind me. So you could have a thousand people there. And then you have the gamers up on a big stage. So imagine hosting like a big UFC event or... Um, it's just it's it's kind of hard to describe because they're gamers they come out and they play a game but the big screen has the game on and you know you'll have fans cheering on their own team so it's it's a lot of fun and i've i didn't know if i'd enjoy it as much as i do and i love every second of it now and are you commentating on the game or or what (laughs) yeah so i'll be saying neymar to or nine so you'll have icons you know like the you'll have rude hullet playing or, or johan cruyff playing um and I'm commentating with an analyst and we're breaking down the technical side of the game itself. And I'm learning, look, I'm, I'm the George Hamilton, but next to me is the Ronnie Whelan. So the, the former player, for example, is the one who can really break that down. And it's up to me to ask the right, the right questions. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been doing that for EMLS and then that developed into E-League, which is the global, the global series. And I had a chance to travel to Paris in February. I was supposed to be in London in June with this. So if, if there's space in the calendar and I can do it, I'll jump at it. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, just to kind of look, I suppose now you're used to meeting, you know, these top people and these top sports stars. But the first time you came across, you know, that sports star that you looked up to, how did you feel and how did you deal with it? Because that, you know, naturally, you can kind of catch you by surprise and you can kind of stutter and. <laughs> yeah, you know, you realize very quickly at RTE, especially. I was very young when I started meeting them all at the Olympics that time. And you realize they're human beings that they don't need to be given star treatment at all. They also don't necessarily want to talk about football all the time. And sometimes when you meet a former player, like when I first started to get to know Christian Vieri, you'd think that you should talk about football. Oh, hey, do you see this play or do you see this happen? And sometimes it's just, hey, what you have for lunch today? any good restaurant recommendations or just start to talk about something different and develop a relationship and find out what makes them tick, especially as a host. That's the most important thing is really figure them out what they like to eat. You know, if they didn't bring in lunch, like I used to check with Christian, did you bring lunch today? I text him. And if he didn't, I'd pick him up a bit of lunch or I'd get him like a chocolate bar before we go on air because I'd know how he is and he's so early for everything because he's used to playing at the likes of Juventus where you show up an hour early for training, you're late. Everybody's already been in the gym an hour already. So he'd show up really early and by the time we'd go on air, he'd be hungry and maybe a little bit cranky. So I'd, I'd get him like a chocolate bar and get those sugar levels up in his body and, and get him rolling. Um, but you don't, maybe for the first time you get a little bit intimidated, but then you just treat them like friends. What advice would you give to you know, people, you know, trying to pursue a career in, in the media? I think what you're doing is exactly it. Genuinely, I mean that. Connections, be courteous, be kind. It's a game of networking. This is not an industry where you pick up a piece of paper and then you magically get handed a job. I don't think I've been asked once in my career where I went to college or what I studied or what did I get in college. I hate to say that. I don't want to discourage anybody from from not pursuing their dreams in college. But I learned more from working in RTE during my college days. After college, I'd run straight to RTE. I'd, I'd probably leave off a lot of my assignments to get bang average grades. Um, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew where I was was the most important thing. 
And I reckon deep down my parents knew that as well, even though they'd be pushing me on the grade side of things, they, they probably knew this was more important. So I think networking, get all over LinkedIn, be professional, whatever you put on Twitter, make sure that you're okay with someone digging that back up in five years. Because if you want a job somewhere, people are going to research you. They're going to dig deep. And so if you want to be a professional down the line and you have dreams of hosting a show or being a commentator or whatever else it is, be professional now and start, start acting like it. Anything you put down in writing or on a show, um, it's just, it's just really important right now to start acting like that. Um, I'm sure you understand. It's just one of these things today that something could get brought up five years down the line that you could regret. So treating people with respect, continue to network and grow your own little portfolio. And we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up now in a few minutes, but you recently launched um, your own podcast. Do you want to give a quick overview about that? Yeah, kicking off with Kevin Egan, it's called. So it's a chance to just chat with people I admire within the football world. So today it was an author of a book. Last week it was a former US international. The week before that it's like the king of the gaming world for FIFA. So I don't want to just nail it down to former players and players because that could get a bit boring if I'm honest. For me at least it could. Um, a lot of them have a lot of the same stuff to say. So I'm really after the story rather than the personality and what makes them tick, what motivates them. And at a time like this in today's world, sometimes, you know, we, we need a little bit of motivation and inspiration. So that's the goal. It's called kicking off with Kevin Egan and it's on YouTube as well as on your usual podcast platforms. If you were to probably put you on the spot now, because this one, these weren't in the notes, but uh, yeah. what was your... At the moment, um, looking back in your career, what would you say was the highest point of your your media career and your lowest point? I'd say they were both on the same night. Here's one for you. So I was hosting the night the US failed to make the World Cup, <clears throat> 10th of October, 2017. I was the main host in studio with the exclusive rights for the World Cup qualifier on our air, being sports. And it was a given that the U.S. would qualify. I mean, nobody was talking about the fact that they'd go and lose at Trinidad and Tobago and the other two results would go against them. A lot had to happen for the U.S. to really mess up that night. And hosting that show that night with millions of viewers was definitely a highlight because it was a big night, big night ahead, celebrations for the U.S. qualifying for the World Cup. Then disaster struck. The team didn't perform. Lost in, in TNT, results elsewhere. It was just so hard to believe, Jamie. I mean, I'm watching the game and the US lose. Now they're all like this. They're all standing around wondering what the results are like elsewhere. They find out that Mexico have lost Costa Rica. Then all of a sudden they find out that Panama are level with Honduras. And you could see their faces sink as soon as they found out that Panama scored again to, to take the lead. So at that moment in time, Panama scored, the referee blows the final whistle, and my producer says, quickly get in position, you're on air in 10, 9, 8. And I quickly run into position, I don't know where the stage manager was, and I'm dragging Carlos Bocanegra uh, and Kobe Jones and, and, and uh, Jonathan Spector, they were the analysts in the studio, and I'm dragging them into position, I'm like, guys, guys, come on, we gotta go, we're on in like five seconds. And Carlos said to me, I don't wanna go on TV right now. And I said, I said tough, let's go. Uh, people need to hear from you. And he just didn't want to speak. He was devastated. First time since 1986, the US didn't make the World Cup. And the camera comes down on me at that point. And I remember thinking, this is, this is tough. Like this, it, it wasn't a low point in my career. I think that was probably getting told I wouldn't put you on because of your accent, because I felt like I couldn't make a move in that moment. But 
you know, whenever you think there's only option A or option B, there's probably a dirt road that'll get you to where you want to go quicker and you just don't realize it yet. And that's the truth of it. You know, there's always a dirt path. There's always a, um, what's the Clissock over by Ventry. There's always, you know, you don't have to go around Slayhead, just head over the Clissock. You know what I mean? And there's, there, there is, there's always a Clissock in life that you can, uh, you can find. And in that moment, I suppose, the World Cup night, we got through it. It was good, good broadcast in the end. Everybody was devastated. Um, but life goes on. It's been a fun journey so far. And I hope I'll be doing this job for the next 30 years. <laughs> and, you know, before you, before you go on to these shows, how do you prepare yourself? What's your kind of, you know, pre-match routine or pre, pre-game uh, routine? Consume everything. I'm, I'm not the biggest stats guy. Like, I do enjoy stats and I'll, I'll make sure I have enough. But... A lot of people are just driven by statistics. For me, it's the newspapers, as I spoke about, from different countries. Um, if I'm doing a game, it's just quotes, quotes, quotes. Like it's 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 old matches. It's you know watching back a game when these two played each other last year. It's it's you spend every free hour you have and make it your priority to watch and consume everything you possibly can because you need to be prepared for every single eventuality. And if something goes wrong in a game, or if there's a technical problem and you've got to fill. Um, you can't have the, the the basic amount of knowledge needed to get through a game. Commentating a match, you should probably use about 5% of what your preparation has is in front of you. And if you use about 5%, you're doing your job right. And did you ever come across a scenario that you had to think on the spot? Like, oh, the there, like a technical issue or something like that? All the time. You're put on camera without knowing. You know, you could be taken off your microphone next thing you find yourself on camera. Stuff will happen all the time. And the best hosts in the world are the ones that when it happens to them, you at home have no idea that something just went wrong because they're that smooth. They're that good at putting out fires. The hosts for me that aren't as good are the ones that when stuff goes wrong, they look like a deer in headlights and they don't really know what to do. And the reality is a camera is just this machine with a red light on it. You've got to, you've got to be be smooth you've got to treat it like you're talking you're talking to your friends at home and um that's what you are doing you build a relationship with the viewers and chat with your friends at home and get through it but there's lots of times where that will happen i had a full match where my my commentator next to me there was an issue with his microphone and they could not get this fixed actually it was only a, it was only 45 minutes but throughout the entire first half of trying to commentate on this match by myself on fox sports my producers in my ear going, okay, test his microphone again. Okay, Kevin, I'm going to need you to do this. But you're trying to commentate on the match as well as trying to handle all these technical issues. So it can be difficult. Well, it's, uh, you know, adapt to every situation and overcome it and enhance yeah. it. <laughs> Hopefully it'll go your way. Become a good blagger. <laughs> <laughs> Look, on that, on that note, uh, Kevin, I'm going to end it there. Look, thanks very much for taking time out and coming on an interview View podcast. Absolute pleasure. We'll get a point when I'm passing through Kerry again. Perfect. Sounds good. Well, what can I say about that interview? Kevin's journey uh, to me is, is truly inspiring. Um, the Dubman left Irish Shores early 2009, went to America, had nothing organised, but through hard work and determination, he got his opportunity and grabbed it with both hands. He admitted that he had bumps in the road, but he learned from them. And that, to me, that's the most important thing. Everyone's going to have bumps in the road. Everyone's going to have, uh, you know, bad experiences. But it's all about, you know, taking that um that positive aspect from it, or taking that pos, you know, some bit of positivity and and, and take away from the the event. 
I really like the advice Kevin gives, you know, to, to people aspiring to, to get into the media. Networking and professionalism is is essential. From north side of Dublin to presenting shows with Ruth Gilish, uh Christian Vary and Patrick Cliver as analysts to interviewing stars of the soccer world, such as Dave Beckham and Robbie Keane. To report from the sideline of the, the new camp for El Clasico, Kevin hasn't done too bad for himself so far, and from what I can see, the journey is just beginning. Thanks again, Kevin, for coming on an interview podcast. Really do appreciate taking the time out. Be sure to check out Kevin's podcast called Kicking Off with Kevin Egan. Um, the, uh, the last couple of guests have been very, very interesting. They're all you know, kind of sports you know, orientated or associated with sports in, in some shape or form, but we definitely target and you know, it's, it's not just for people who have interest in sport, it's it's for business people too. Um their stories and the you know the interviewees, their stories and the backgrounds is um is is very inspirational. Look that's all from us here on this week's episode of an interview podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you have any stories, um or if you want to contribute in any shape or form. Don't forget to rate, review, or tell your friends about an interview podcast. And be sure to follow us on our social media platforms if you want to keep up to date about you know what what we're doing and um you know competitions and packages we can do for your sports team or your corporate team as well. You'll find us on Instagram at underscore on the ball team building. Over on Facebook, it's on the ball team building. Over on Twitter, then you'll find us at we are on the ball too. That is digital. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred and a fan. Talk to you all soon.